0: To the In Contention podcast, I am Reuben Bressler, and as always, or as most of the time, I'm joined by Matt Cranstuber.
1: How's it going?
0: Missed you last week, buddy.
1: Yeah, man, that was uh, that was kind of a sad moment. I, I haven't not been on the show for at least 50 episodes.
0: Yeah, and uh, and this week we're actually missing our other compatriot Joey Pasco, who is on vacation in beautiful Spain. So hopefully he's having a good time. But it's just going to be us two this week. We're going to discuss lots of things. Um, but before we get to the hashtags, let me just remind everybody out there that In Contention is the official podcast of the StarCityGames.com Open Series, and this weekend the Open Series comes to Providence, Rhode Island, with $10,000 prize pools in both Standard and Legacy Opens. If you can't be there, be sure to tune in to SCG Live and catch Joey Pasco, Adam Prozac, and me, Ruben Bressler, bringing you all the action. Dream team. Yeah, I know, Seriously. The Twitter hashtag for this event is scgprov, that's S C G P R O V, not like the Azorius Senate. Uh, so you can use that to join in the discussion. If you can't make it out, be sure to check out an invitational qualifier tournament near you. Go to the StarCityGames.com open series page for a complete listing at StarCityGames.com slash open underscore series. There's, uh, there's events in Knoxville, Tennessee... Uh, Spartansburg, South Carolina. There's a Super IQ in Garden City, Michigan. So go check out that schedule and play in an SCG IQ near you.
1: Nice, lots of lots of magic. This is yep. this is a great time for magic. Uh, it is. It, it, you know, fall is probably my favorite time of year, mostly because it's my birthday, but also because we always get a new base set, and, and this base set is unlike any other that we have seen in a long time. In that it's sort of the flagship set of wizards for the last, you know, 10 years. that people have looked back fondly at Ravnica as being one of the best blocks, if not the best block of all time. Not to mention
0: the fact that the M13 shakeup took a whole bunch of pieces out of standard.
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we are going to talk about that kind of shakeup. Uh, we're going to talk about Star City, Cincinnati, that happened this past weekend. Ruben was in attendance; he was able to play. Of course, uh, I was yep. I was not available. I've been a little under the weather, but I did catch several hours worth of coverage on both days. So we're going to we're going to talk about those decks. And uh, the sub hashtag there is a whole new world fire. Uh, mm. No world fire deck there, but this is a whole new world as it as it is uh, for standard. And then we're going to yep. talk a little bit about uh, a couple small things here and there. GP San Jose is coming up here pretty soon. Maybe we'll talk about the landscape for Rhode Island. And then there was a, a little on-camera controversy that happened this past weekend that we definitely want to kind of weigh in on and, and talk about. So the majority of our discussion today, I think, will be talking about new standard. I mean, geez, absolutely, these decks, a lot yep. of, a lot of awesome decks. So, and
0: what better place to start than right at the top? You know, I've known some people who've been on some heaters, and uh, Todd Anderson's certainly on a heater right now.
1: Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. He's he's definitely the best player that's not playing in the Pro Tour, and it's I, I don't know that it's a contest there. He's
0: no, it's probably not very close. He's uh, I think actually think that this back to back he back so he won the Invitational, then two weeks later he wins the Standard Open in Cincinnati, and I actually think that that's the most impressive back to back, even more impressive than Jerry Thompson doing it on the same day or on the same weekend, mm. because he won an event against top level competition, a split a split format event, but with a standard deck that was at the end of a standard season, so the format had been established for a long time. Then he goes into the next tournament and wins a tournament with a brand new format.
1: Yeah, I mean and what a what a deck to bring to a brand new format. You he know, yep. brought a control deck which, you know, we we were all kind of joking a couple episodes about how difficult it is to bring a control deck to an unknown metagame just because you don't know what kinds of tools you need to pack. And I think Todd sort of just said, hey, well, I know, I know some of the good decks in the format. Zombies is pretty good, so I think I'm going to pack four Pillar Flame, four Terminus. So that's, that's pretty good against Zombies. And uh, a number of other cards that just completely negate the undying mechanic uh, or the ability for your opponent to, um, to to bring back Gravecrawlers and things. But his, his list is just... So great! I mean, the mana's perfect, of course. You know, now we have the Innistrad dual lands, the M, th- you know, M ten, M thirteen dual lands, and shock lands, which means pr- we have pretty much perfect mana. Uh, pretty for, much for a number of shards and wedges. Um, of course, after Gate Crash, we will have one hundred percent perfect mana. Uh, probably the only thing that would be better than that would be a fetch lane mana base and. I mean, even even still, this is this is going to be pretty close. But uh, Todd's list, um, of course, you you were you were there over the weekend. Did you see a lot of lists like this? With um,
0: I did. Well, a lot of this. Yes, the Jace uh, tameo one-two punch was very important this weekend. Um, Jace can take out little tiny creatures, and Tameo deals with the big stuff that's left over. Mm. Uh, it's a very good place to be to try and take over the mid-to-late game. And once you get there, you have Entreat the Angels, which of course is absolutely bonkers. Um, and then you, from that point, you have to decide how you're going to handle the early game. And you notice, he's splashing red just for Pillar of Flame. Mm-hmm. Now, he's got a desolate lighthouse, I guess, but it's just—it's pretty much just for Pillar of Flame.
1: Yeah, nothing um, the Cyborg. I mean, it's, that's, that's it. Yep. It's,
0: it's like the, the red splash out of Miracles in Legacy that was just for Pyroblast. It's mm-hmm. just that important. Um I don't know how important it is going forward because zombies didn't perform particularly well considering that it was supposed to be like the best 3 decks in the format. Mm-hmm. Um but I I would imagine that at least for the next couple of weeks while people are still figuring out what the best zombies deck is, you'll still want your your one-man elimination spell. But more important than that, I think is Azorius charm. Oh, Azorius sure. charm. Sure. I saw all three abilities be used to great effect. Uh by todd and jerry and brad and everybody who was playing this deck Mm -hmm. um mostly the time ability is absolutely insane um but also drawing a card at end of turn to be able to try and hit miracles or to just cycle it is, is very good and the life link is is very important when you're trying to recover from an early start from an opponent and you've entreated for three and you're like all right i guess i'll just gain 12.
1: Yeah, this, I mean, this is a, this is definitely a tap out deck, you know, yes. there, it only has a couple instants, you know, think twice is there to mise uh, miracles on your opponent's turn. And of course, Azoria's Charm is very good at taking out attackers as sort of like a, a condemn. Um, but it only has two counter spells, and they're, they're more, you know, syncopate, I would call, I would say these are Miser's counterspells. I wouldn't call these anything that the deck is really relying on to, for its plan A, right. um, you know, the Planeswalkers are four Jace, two Tamiyo, and then it has four Detention Sphere, um, and then of course one Supreme Verdict for Terminus. That's sort of like the protection package. So really, this is a this is a Jace slash Tamiyo deck. This is yeah. You know that that's the plan A of this deck is to make this happen. Unlike the blue white decks that we've seen the last six to nine months, have all been have all revolved around Temple cards. Uh, and cards like you know Dover Secrets, Geist of Saint um, uh, even Hero Blade, Hold Angel, um, Restoration Angel. So this is this is a true blue white control deck. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. This is a true blue white control hybrid control deck.
0: <laughs> right. Well, uh, so, I don't think we'll ever see true absolute true control ever again. Yeah. Just the way because of the way that Wizards is printing Magic cards these days, you know. You can't have a absolutely, completely grind them out control deck really anymore. You have to have, you have to have at least something Titan like basically now. Yeah. Uh, since the advent of planeswalkers, you know, you're never going to see uh, the the slowest, grindiest, you know, win with millstone kind of decks ever well, again.
1: And I'm glad you mentioned Titans because I mean, think of how many shows you, me, and Sam sat in a basement and talked about how big an impact Titans have on, you know, not, not just the standard environments, but also design space in general and how it sort of pushes out lots of five, six, and seven drops because they just don't measure up to, up to Titans. And right. nowhere is this more apparent than seeing the second place list, which is actually my, my probably my favorite list in the tournament, which is Chris Whitinger, we- who I believe he's a, an Ohio guy, um, playing the Freed stack. And you see four copies of Angel of Serenity at the top of the list, and yeah, um, that card, that card. Oof. I mean, so so that I don't know if that if we would say that that's a, a Titan replacement. It's probably more an Norn replacement, right? But this deck, you know, we talked about Grizzly Savage definitely having an impact on uh, on being good in this deck. It doesn't really deviate a lot from the traditional freaks, except it has main deck three Centaur Healer. Or Thragtusk, which is like a huge level on the format. In fact, Zach Hall and Matthias Hunt pretty much the entire weekend were saying how they they pretty much think Chris metagamed about as perfect as he could for this tournament uh, by playing this deck.
0: Yeah, I think that Centaur Healer is actually a better, at, at least at the beginning of the format, like last weekend, Centaur Healer was way better than Loxodon Smiter. Mm, yeah. um, there, just were, there were almost no counterspells. Um, having three toughness is not that much different than having four toughness. Same with the power. And the three life is just so much more relevant against the aggressive decks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Centaur Healer, that's that guy's awesome. And uh, if you guys remember playing with Lockdown on Hierarch, you will remember how awesome that felt to just have this body and the, the recovery on the same card. So uh, I really like this deck. I think the mana looks... Ridiculous! Like you just look at this mana uh, yeah. base, and you're like, "All right, well, no basic lands, no no basic <laughs> lands, all rare lands." Yeah, um, yep. So that's the future of standard. That's the next two years. Yeah, you're right. welcome, everyone.
1: It, um, the, but fun, I was going to say the fun part of this deck is just like, you know, it, it. It's almost exactly like the old deck as far as the engine to put put things in the yard and barrel rights. But I mean, we're looking at—we don't have Lingering Souls anymore. We don't have Birds of Paradise. This isn't playing Absence Pilgrim. I mean, this right. is this is 100% a combo deck. I mean, this is this is a value deck, right? Yes. So Thragtusk, Centaur Healer, and Angel Serenity. Once you start chaining those together, once you start chaining Angel Serenity into Angel Serenity into Centaur Healer into Thragtusk, you're you're gaining enough life that you can offset whatever onslaught your opponent has. Um, to a point where you'll eventually be able to stick a Grizzlebrand uh, or, or, get an Angel of Serenity and sort of give your opponent a clock. Um, not to mention he also has a couple cards in the May deck. Of course, he still has Lingering Souls as a way to not die um, in the early game to, to Zombies, but he has Rolling Trembler, which is a pretty interesting card. Yep. Uh, Combos
0: very well with Lingering Souls, of course, and Rolling Trembler is the only Pyroclasm, really, in the format.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there there are uh, we have a lot of wrath variants now. You know, mutilate, supreme verdict, uh, but we yeah there aren't there aren't a lot of those. Also, combined with Golgari charm, you may be able to just mise a slagstorm type spell. And and again, sure. we see more charms in these decks. I believe Mana Deprived, which is a Canadian um, sort of brain trust up there. They they did a um, a analysis of the number of charms. In the right. top sixteen decks and found that there was a ton of a ton of charms of all varieties being played. I I'm pretty sure every charm was played in, in some capacity in this tournament. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's huge. I mean
0: Well, charms in general, like you just want options in a lot of decks. And for mid-range and control especially, you want options. Now, not so much combo like this reanimator deck, but I think that this deck definitely plays out like a mid-range deck a lot of the time, and so you, you just want more ways to deal with what the problems are. I actually think that uh, one of the best uh, decks in this tournament was uh, Lauren Nolan's deck, which got third place. Awesome. Uh, he played a Jund mid-range deck. Uh, if you haven't taken a look at it, do yourself a favor and go take a look at that. Um, but the, he, he chose not to play any of the, uh, the Charms, but you certainly. Oh, I'm sorry. I take that back. He played Golgari Charm in his sideboard. Mm. Um, but it's one of the, It's another one of those cards that can sort of consolidate your sideboard. I saw Rakdos charms in a lot of sideboards, so that people could have the not just have Grave Hate, not just have Artifact Hate, but have both in the same card. Mm. Um, Selesnia Charm was all over the place. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely the charms are 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 very important in the future of the, of the metagame.
1: Well, and he and he plays a, a couple cards in his cyborg that are are pretty pretty interesting. You know that we we've never really seen played yet are return, which yep. Adam Prozac w- uh, did a deck attack and said said that he would have probably maximized out on those as opposed to playing slaughter games, just because there isn't a real control deck in the format. Mm-hmm. And then the other card being Underworld Connections, which I think could could end up being a card down the line, especially in a deck like this that. I mean, look, he's running Rakdos key Rune. I mean, he's, he's playing these big, he's playing four Farseek and uh, two Rakdos Kirun so that he can sort of ramp himself into the late game a little bit faster. And then he's playing these big cards like Olivia Valderon, Garuk Primal Hunter, Wolfier Avenger, um, yep. even Huntmaster of the Fells. And, Olivia,
0: uh, Olivia Valderon, by the way, probably going to be very expensive and very highly played all over the place in the near future.
1: Definitely. I mean I
0: would I would be surprised if the price of that card hasn't doubled.
1: I think I think it actually already has. And I, I don't oh, know okay. if it was Prozac that was saying something about Olivia, but basically she's the creature that you want to have. Again, we don't have Titans, and so you don't have to sort of contend with these, you know, a, a the inevitable six drop what's your answer. You know, everything is more like Thrag Tusky, right? And and yep. Thrag Tusk is a much more reasonable creature than something like you know, Frost Titan or Grave Titan or Primal Titan, and Olivia deals with a lot of things like you know, lingering souls tokens. It's good against zombies. It, it deals
0: and- with Lloth Troll because you can just steal it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, I I think she's she's definitely one to look out for, it, especially because if you look at some of the top decks, if you watch some of the coverage, Jun was huge. I mean, Jun was like one of the yep. most popular archetypes in the tournament. Now I wasn't walking around the tournament hall. In fact, I was actually really disappointed that I wasn't able to go this past weekend. Um, I, I always try to make it out to, to Star City events that are within a stone's throw, but like I said, it, my health wasn't all there. But uh, So what, what was like the landscape as you sort of were walking the tables? I mean, I'm sure you saw a ton of Shocklands. What, what was like...
0: Yeah, so the landscape was... There were about, I would say, near the top tables, a third Zombies decks. Mm-hmm. A third... Jace, Tamio decks, mm. and a third green-white decks. Jund was actually a little bit spotty in the top tables, but the ones that were there did very well. Mm. Um, that, that was just the impression that I got. Uh, I could be wrong, but from walking around, from looking at what I saw, uh, I only saw about three Jund decks. Um, but I, I absolutely think that that number is going to go up yeah uh because of the just the number of things that that deck can can do like it can suddenly turn into an aggro deck sure you know? sure against the right against the right matchup you know he he gets uh he gets paired against like the blue white red deck and he just suddenly goes you know strangle rootgeist Wolfear avenger strangle root Geist was more of a defensive card in mm-hmm. lauren's deck yeah uh, to definitely. be able to stave off zombies well um,
1: i actually think that uh the deck that I thought was sort of the predator in the room that I think a lot of people are going to be building up this week is Zombies. But yeah. the variety I'm talking about is Joe Bernal's list.
0: That list was the best deck I saw in the room.
1: Oh, for sure. It, it, if
0: he had I, sent me that list, I would have played it, no questions asked.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, it's very it's very well calculated. Of course, Joe, Joe being a very good player, um, I'm going to rifle off this list because it's just you don't see a lot of lists like this these days. Um, there's a lot of four of's. Okay, so it starts yep. with Blood Artist, Diagraph Ghoul, wrath, Aristocrat, Drops Messenger, Gravecrawler, Rakdos Cackler. Those are all four of's for creatures. Then we have four Searing Spear, three Brimstone Volley, four Bump in the Night, three Pillar of Flame, and the Lance. Like, just yep. back to meat and potatoes magic, right? You're playing. <laughs> I mean, he, there were situations where I think he was on camera a couple times where he just annihilated his opponent's life total within a matter of like two turns. Yep, just off of the interactions between Blood Artist uh, and Falcon the Arist- Aristocrat, and just being able to you know like Bump in the Night is a super aggressive card in this deck. Yep. Um, of course, Brimstone Vauling and Searing Spear probably going toward the dome most of the time, but very good at clearing the way for for creatures too. So that yeah, I mean this this deck uh, awesome. Plus he also has he has ten Swamp as sort of the, the the basic lands in his deck, but he's running guild gates. So this is the right. first guild gate that you get to see.
0: I think that this is the most important part of this deck is that most people were like, yeah, you can run two colors, but why not run three? I mean, you can, you have all the dual lands. Mm. People forgot that there's a whole nother cycle of dual lands, even if it comes into play tapped. Now this is a really, really aggressive deck. He's got 12 one drops, not to mention burn spells, you know, but some, most of the time he's going to be like one drop on turn one. Second turn, one-drop Guildgate, third turn Messenger.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? That's, that's a fairly standard draw for this deck. So I think that the Guildgates, while they do come into play tapped, and you are the most aggressive of decks, uh, the Guildgate innovation is very important here.
1: Yeah, and, and three copies of Underworld Connections and yep. Rakdos, Lord of Riots.
0: I uh, love the Underworld Connections because you go some, some decks, you know, you play the long game against Centaur Healer decks, but... They only have so much life, and if you have more cards, you're going to get a, you know.
1: So, how the much-
0: is The Rakdos's I don't like so much. I think that the Rakdos's should be Olivia's.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: Because uh, Double Red's pretty tough to get to, and, you know, you just want a stalemate breaker, I guess, and that's what Olivia would do.
1: Yeah, w- we, well, he ha- he does have an extra mountain to board in because he, he's pretty landlight with 22 lands in the main deck. Yeah. Uh, so, I imagine that anytime he boards in the Rakdos or the Underworld Connections, he has to bring in the mountain but uh, he has three dreadbore in the the sideboard and dreadbore to me seems like probably the best card in standard right now for the jund and the the zombies decks especially given that you know decks like todds don't have a way to answer a dreadbore like if a dreadbore gets cast it's probably not going to get counterspelled right he's only got two
0: syncopates which have probably come out after game 1
1: yeah so 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 what do you think about dreadbore um, as sort of an answer to Todd's deck, is that is that the kind of is that the kind of uh, fight music that you want to have going into a match against Blue Red White Control, or are you, you know, to look elsewhere like Slaughter Games or uh, I think Ractus Return.
0: It depends on what your deck's doing. I don't love Dreadbore as a card um, in the aggressive decks because you're using two mana at sorcery speed to kill their Planeswalker, and typically you're fine with one for one trades like that but you're trying to be so aggressive that you should just be able to attack zomb- to attack with your zombies mm-hmm. or play a burn spell and do the same thing.
1: Sure, sure.
0: So having a dread bore, I don't love. Um, slaughter games, a lot of people have been pointing to that as a way to answer zomb- or, uh, for zombies and uh, Junge to be able to answer tamios and stuff, to just hit there and treat the angels. But if you're a good red, white, blue player, you can win the game without Entreat the Angels. You know, Entreat the Angels is the main win condition, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that you can't, you know, ultimate Tamio and cast Pillar Flame over and over again. I saw multiple games end that way. Um, you can also ultimate Jace and take your opponent's win condition. I saw multiple games end that way. It just so happens that Entreat the Angels is just this oops-I-win card that you can have in your deck. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure which of those is the best for the super aggressive list, I actually think Pything Needle is probably just better
1: yeah, um, yeah
0: because sure. it's, it's a whole mana less. And instead of killing their Planeswalker, you negate the rest of their Planeswalkers. Sure, sure. Um, and that they also – they, they can't answer it with any of their traditional removal. Um, so I think that that's, that's probably where I would want to be. Duress um,
1: isn't, isn't an awful option either for, for – Duress is guy. not an awful
0: option. But I think that Pything Needle is insane. Because you can play it before they play their planeswalker, you can play it after they play their planeswalker, mm-hmm. and it's it's almost never a bad top deck. Sure. Because you can also name you can name Tamio, you can name Jace, and you can name Desperate uh a Desolate Lighthouse if you really need to. Um, depending on the list, you can name uh, other planeswalkers if they happen to be playing something like oh I don't know, uh, Jace Memory Adept. Out, sure, sure. out of you know. So it's not uh, a terrible option. For for the red white blue control decks going forward, I so, think that I think that python needle is where you want to be.
1: No, that, that's that's a fair assessment. I, I actually wanted to shift gears a little bit to uh, I want to talk about a, a guy his name's Dan Kaufman. He's actually a friend of mine that I went yeah he's with. from Athens. Yeah, he's from Athens, and uh, he, I think he moved down to Kentucky or Virginia mm-hmm. after he graduated. So I haven't seen him a long time. I was really excited to see him in the top eight of this tournament, and he he his deck is really. Really fun looking. Uh, he's playing Selesnya aggro with all of the, the normal players that you would typically see in sort of a green white aggro list. He he has the soul bond guys, the wolf silverheart, silver blight paladin. He also has four access to four sublime archangel. Yeah. He has elves to power all these guys out, rancors, Selesnya charms, Thalias. It's a very solid looking seventy five. And uh, this is one that I wouldn't expect to see a lot of these kinds of decks day one at this tournament, especially given, you know, how popular, like, decks like Zombies and things are. Um, but to see, you know, we saw, um, I'm sorry, what? I can't think of his name off the top of my head. He, he didn't quite make the top eight. Oh, it was, uh, Andrew Shrout. He yeah. Was, he was featured a couple times with Azorius Aggro. And- that was the deck that I also played. Oh, you played that. So, so you had uh, the elite inquisitors. And... My deck
0: was different than Andrew's. Um, okay. I I did not have elite inquisitor. Uh, I didn't have riders of Gavany, for example. Um, yeah, his his list is significantly different than mine, but the the idea is the same, which sure. is you have you have precinct captains, you have lots of white creatures that are very aggressive, and you put a spectral flight on a Geist of Saint Traft, and then you win, mm-hmm. right? And so I played something very similar to his. Uh, but not not exactly the same. And I actually thought... I, I had a great time with uh, that deck. The problem was that you actually can never beat the red-white-blue control deck. Oh, really? It's v- almost impossible. Hmm. Um, or any blue-white control deck. Actually, the regular blue-whites that don't have the red in them are actually worse for the blue-white aggro because they've got more... Um, they typically have more Supreme Verdicts mm-hmm. and they've also got stuff like Sphinx's Revelation... Um, and it's, it's just, they have a whole bunch more hate rather than just a burn spell. So,
1: yeah. And, uh, and they don't really, I mean, this deck doesn't really have a way, like a post wrath card, like a cloud goat ranger or spectral uh, to really take advantage or not, not just those cards, but also like anthems, right? Yeah. Anthems are a really good way to come back from a wrath. If you have one or two on the board and you just happen to play a, you know, just a dork Right, and, and now you... he
0: didn't really have he didn't have any anthems in his no, deck. No. I was I was playing uh, Macias the Lunark okay. as my anthem, basically. Okay. Yeah. But that gets Wrathed, of course. Sure, sure. Um, and so, yeah, I think that, that there's something there, certainly, with all of the good two drops. Um, and you've also got Champion of the Parish Doom Traveler,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which which are both very good. But uh, I, I think that if you want to be playing aggro. I think that Dan Kaufman's Celestia aggro is where you probably want to be. Yeah, because definitely. early, you can play a turn two Smiter, you know, or you can play a, an early Silverblade Paladin and threaten stuff and put a Rancor on one of your early creatures. But then after Wrath, you've got Strangle Rootgeist, either before or after Wrath. Mm-hmm. You've got Rancor, before or after Wrath. That's, that's a big you, deal. And then you've got just enormous things like Sublime Archangel and Wolf or Silverheart, mm-hmm. that can take over a board by themselves. And you've also got the great combo of Silverblade Paladin plus Sublime Archangel, or Wolf or Silverheart plus Sublime Archangel, or Silverblade Paladin plus Wolf or Silverheart. Those t- the combination of those three cards, any two of them, should be good enough to win you the game.
1: He's got a really interesting sideboard, uh, too, because he has access to Triumph of Ferocity, which is really interesting. That card's
0: fantastic. I was seeing him in uh, the—actually, against the blue-white-red decks. Mm -hmm. Um, He was playing Todd in the top eight, and he brought in the Triumphs, and he was just drawing more cards than the blue-white control deck.
1: Mm. Yeah. And then, of course, Karuk Relentless against, you know, sort of the mirror match would be would be very good. Revenge of the Hunt is probably not awful in the mirror match. Sigarda is an incredible card. Um, and, yeah, Sigarda and-
0: is fantastic against the, uh, the any deck, obviously any deck that has Liliana. But it's also just a hex proof guy mm-hmm. because a lot of his guys can get Azorius charmed. And so you just want to have a big idiot.
1: Yeah. And sometimes you just need a big idiot. Yeah, I th- this list is really solid. I-, I was actually surprised to see only one Gavany Township. He opted not to play any of the Gate Lands just because he he needs to be able to hit his turn one mana dork. So uh, th- th- that that is a little interesting to me, especially given that he has seven planes. So, you know, it, it, his strangle root geist play on turn two isn't as important. I think he probably could have made room for a couple of the Guildgate lands and, and maybe played a Gavanny Township instead of a few of these planes, maybe maybe a forest.
0: I might agree um, with that, yeah.
1: So just to kind of just to kind of give them some extra reach. But again, Gavney Township, another card that's very good at turning your, your post-wrath board into something that actually does something, even I with wanna... just a Rancor and an Elf or a Rancor and, and some other creature. Right.
0: I want to talk real quickly about uh, the ninth place list, which was Jack Fogle's Bant Control list, mm-hmm. which is a whole other direction to go in rather than the America Colors Control list. Sure. Um, and this deck... Uh, Green, I think, is mostly because you really don't have any turn two plays in the blue-white-red deck. Like, you have Syncopate, I guess, and you have Think Twice and Azoria's Charm. And they're fine, but they aren't really something you want to be doing on turn two if you just want to be, you know, uh, continuing your game plan rather than impacting your opponent's game plan, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so he has, he has Farseek, which isn't typically used um, in non-ramp decks, of course. And this isn't really a ramp deck, but uh, he has four Farseek. Which allows him to play turn three key rune with mana up, so he can play Azorius Charm or Selesnia Charm with a key rune, uh, or have you know turn turn three uh, Selesnia Key Rune Think Twice or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's also got green for Thragtusk, which of course is probably the main reason why he wanted green in the first place. Um, Thragtusk is just obviously just so good in a variety of different matches, and he's got four. And uh, that certainly does not seem like a bad place
1: to start. And, and Sphinx's Revelation too. That, he does that, have
0: Sphinx's Revelation. Yeah. Yes, three. That, that,
1: one, that one's pretty interesting. It, you know, so he's really he's getting a lot of life between the Thragtusk, the Sphinx's Revelation, uh, potentially giving his his creatures life link with his Ori's Charm. But I think just chaining the Angel of Serenities is really good in this deck. Like, really good. I, mm-hmm. This this looks to me a little bit better than Todd's list, mostly because. I mean, I, I like the Pillar of Flame, but I think I'd rather I'd rather like make my Zombies matchup a little bit uh, worse and sort of sure up my Control matchup. And I think that this is going to do a lot better, a lot better in the Control matchup, given that you have a lot more cards that you can do at instant speed. The Sphinx's Revelation is going to be huge, especially having three in the main deck. If you sit down to a mirror match you're going to be able to out-ramp your opponent, right, because you have access to four Far Seek, and, yep. and Todd's deck didn't have any ramp. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, this, this looks really good. And the sideboard is... It's
0: also that game post-wrath. Like, if, if you happen to get into a position where your opponent's like, well, I have to wrath in order to stay alive, but you've got four Thrag tusks and you've also got the Key Rune, which can just beat face by itself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So wrath does Wrath and Terminus don't even save you.
1: Well, and it's like it makes it really awkward for the control deck because what does the control deck do after Cyborg? Like you you have Thrag Tusk and in Angels Serenity as Kill Conditions, you also have Entreat the Angels, and you also have your planeswalkers. Is it safe you know, what what cards are safe to take out if you're the control player? Like certainly the Supreme Verdicts are gonna be better than your Terminuses, so that's an easy swap. But how many wraths do you really wanna have sitting in your hand when your opponent's really just trying to build his board up with Farseek and kind of get himself into a position where he can take advantage of, you know, the fact that you don't run any counter spells. Sure. I, I, so this, this list, you're right. I think this is a, this is a solid list and, and out of the board getting more, you know, more life gain. since our healers, he has rest in peace. I'm assuming that's going to be coming in pretty much every time against Freets might not be a bad move to have that depending what version of uh, the zombies deck you're playing against might be a little bit too slow there. But also Garouk Relentless. I mean he's just got access to everything. It's uh it's I don't know how methodical his choices were, but it definitely feels very Nasif like with the mm-hmm. cyborg. There's just so many one-ofs that you should be able to to come up with a pretty optimal build after sideboard as opposed and to. And he's
0: drawing he's drawing so many cards that the the number of one ofs and two of's in his sideboard Sort of makes sense because you don 't really want to be drawing multiples of the same type of answer after sideboard against sure. many different types of decks, so you want to hit you want to hit zombies from multiple different angles, so you can hit them with more elimination spells and you can hit them with a rest in peace, and you can hit them multiple different ways and not just be sort of always playing the same type of of uh, answer
1: <laughs> so I, uh, I believe Caleb Durward was asked in his top eight an interview um, if Delver was a a real card after the format. And he said, yes, it is a card. And if you control F the deck list for the standard portion of the Cincinnati Open and type in Delver, there's only one deck there. And, and it's Caleb. It's Caleb Dorward's 19th place deck. So he said that hey you know what I might not have access to ponder Leak anymore but I'm still going to play four delver secrets. Right. So I think this Now is he's playing one. red. Yes. So it's just red blue delver and the the creatures are are fairly typical. Uh he has rune chanter spike but I think it's this instants that are all pretty interesting here. He's playing an annihilating fire. Um of course the that being probably a little bit better than the uh, Searing Spear just because it can kill a Giraffes Messenger outright.
0: Right, so he, he did a 1-2 split on those just to hedge hedge against zombies.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's wise. Uh, then he, he has a Miser Cyclonic Rift, which I think we're probably going to see Liss playing more copies of Cyclonic Rift. I would agree. How good that card is. I mean, that card is really good. I'm actually surprised that Todd's deck... Uh, did not play at least one copy of this. I think that all the control cards...
0: As the, as the mirror match picks up in popularity, I imagine Cyclonic Rifts will be a card that will be popular.
1: Mm. And
0: uh, uh, Another interesting thing about um, Caleb's deck is Bonfire of the Damned. Remember mm. that card? Yeah. Yeah, that's a card still. Uh, well, according to Caleb. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he did a 3-1 split with mizium Mortars. Um, I'm not sure... Which one's better? Now, he's more of an aggressive deck, of course, with the, with the Delver of Secrets. But Delver of Secrets is really the only aggressive creature in his deck. Mm-hmm. The rest of his creatures are Snapcaster Mage, Augur of Bolas, uh, Dungeon Geists, and Talrand. So he doesn't have a ton of aggressive guys other than the Delver. So I'm not sure how much the Fireball to your Dome aspect matters. He does also have a Devil's Play, which I think is also typically for creature control. Um, but can also be turned in an opponent's face. I think that he just probably had a Amysium Mortars and put it in the deck just to see. Mm. Um, and as if this deck remains popular, over time, uh, players will lean one way or the other, whether they want the Flame Slash or whether they want to be able to Bonfire for one on turn two or three. Sure. Um, but Bonfire, obviously not as good anymore because there are way fewer decks running the Birds of Paradise, Land Elf-style mana base now with uh, Arbor Elf and uh, uh, Avacyn's Pilgrim. And so it's not nearly as relevant to have the Bonfires. Um, also, if you like Gabriel and style sideboards, go ahead and take a look at uh, yeah, sure. Caleb's. <laughs> um, but you know everything in his sideboard does sort of make sense, even the extra Augur of Bolas. Augur of Bolas, very, very good against Zombies. Um, not so great against many other types of decks, mm-hmm. particularly the green-white decks. So he has a split between main deck and sideboard of that card. So uh, if you're looking to play Delver in standard, that's that's a place to look. I'm still not sold that the deck is good.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm again. Uh, I'm still a little bit surprised not to see at least a couple Guild Gates. I know that it's important to hit the turn one play. But given that that the mana league play is not important, you're only playing a couple spells that cost two mana, you could play a gate on turn two and have it be okay, right? Uh so I I'm not I'm not hundred percent convinced that that people and, and, and I'm not saying that Caleb Durward is a that I'm a better deck builder than he is, but I feel like they're just better than mountains, uh, in a lot of cases. That to where he could play eight islands, four mountains, two guild gates Right, and be able to, to have the extra mana, but maybe his mana is just like so good as a two color deck, he doesn't need it. I for me, I, I just wouldn't want to be stuck on a hand that has like two mountains in the opener. Given uh, you, given how blue heavy this deck has been, an eight six split, you're definitely going to find yourself with hands that you have just mountains and not able to play your turn one guys.
0: I think this is a. Uh, speaking of Caleb Durward, I think this is a good way to segue into the legacy.
1: Yeah, I definitely, I definitely want to talk some legacy
0: now. And Caleb brought, won the tournament with blue black Tesseret. Yeah. So uh, that's that's an interesting choice, and it won the tournament. What's the last time you saw Four Talisman of Dominance win a tournament? Possibly never. 10 years I don't know.
1: Ago. <laughs>
0: yeah. And yeah. so he's he's playing a blue black uh Tezzeret, Agent of Bolas deck, um, able to 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 uh, churn out turn three Jace Mind Sculptors and Tezzerets mm-hmm. with his uh with his talismans. And he's also got two Demir's signets in that deck, so he's looking to accelerate into you know Solomon Simulacrum and whatnot. Um and uh yeah, what do, what do you think about this thing?
1: Well, this you know, we saw Adam Prozac build a deck fairly similar to this uh well i, I should it, it's very different there's a lot of cards that are different in the deck but he was playing the tesra agent and bolus baleful strix Chromox, and uh you know some of the other pieces that he has in here but i think that caleb has really taken it to the next level where yeah,
0: caleb has sort of turned it into a mid-range deck rather than prozac who was playing like ensnaring bridge and, and very control cards
1: exactly and you know Uh, Also, Caleb's sort of big innovations here is playing six two-mana artifacts alongside its six um, two-mana lands, right? So if you turn one Ancient Tomb and play a Talisman, you can turn to your Planeswalkers all day long. Yeah, I missed that. And and it doesn't feel bad to play um, a land and sacrifice your City of Traders when you're getting to trade your land for a Jace or a Tezzeret. Right, and watching Caleb play this deck on camera, you know when I when I heard that he was playing it, I, I just didn't know that it was the right deck for the tournament. But watching him play, uh, I mean, there were a couple times I was like, okay, come on, that was ridiculous. Where he he proceeded like in the top eight, he, he was playing against um, Deshaun Baylock, uh, who was playing no intel. And proceeded to draw all three of his force wheels in in, uh, in the top like 10, 10 or fifteen cards or something. Sure. And uh, so you know sometimes you run really well, but I think the deck just performed really awesome. Uh, when I watched him on camera, he, I just felt like he always had gas. He was always you know committing committing things to the board. He had a lot of utility in uh, sort of his one ofs like all were were pretty interesting. Um, I, I just don't really have any complaints about the deck. He's, he's he's also running a couple cards that you don't typically see a lot in Legacy, which are Karn Liberated and Damnation, which is yeah. cool. Yeah,
0: he also had um, a Trinket Mage package. He brought Ratchet Bomb to the table, which is very, very good against rug Delver. Uh, also pretty good against Maverick. Yeah. And he's he's a uh, it looks like his Maverick matchup isn't great because he's got a lot of sideboarded uh, stuff dedicated to the Maverick. He's got two Dread of Night, two Perish, um a Curse Totem in the sideboard for for the Maverick matchup, but it, it to me it seems like everything else is pretty good in the main deck. And he's he's got big, you know, um Roundhouse slams like Wormcoil Engine and Karn Liberated that can just take out anything that's not pouncing on him immediately
1: well the uh the dread of night is something that i hadn't seen in a long time until wizards brought back tempest drafts and i uh, opened up in a pack and i believe it was in the uncommon slot and i'm like whoa yeah this this one mana spell gives all white creatures minus one minus one and uh when he was in the top eight he was playing against thomas uh and how i'm just gonna butcher his last name he's a danish player and yep. I guess they all flew in because they want to go play in, in, GP San Jose. And he ended up doing well with death and taxes,
0: right? Thomas any was playing death and taxes. Yeah.
1: And in that game, uh, or I'm sorry, in the, in the top eight games, yeah, Caleb please. played that enchantment and completely annihilated Thomas's ability to force in damage. Like Thomas had very good draws. He had, he had a lot of gas, but all of his guys died. Right. So if, if he plays a stone forge mystic, the creature's just going to uh, die. And then um, he, he was putting in Sarah's Avengers, which were one ones, and Caleb was playing some really techie magic. Like He he was able to use his Tezzerets and uh, and some of the other one ofs in his decks uh, after Cyborg, like Dark Blast and things, to just completely keep Thomas off of his game plan and ultimately ultimated his Tezzeret to kill his opponent, which, I'll be honest, I haven't seen a Tezzeret ultimate in a long time, even when that deck was standard legal, it just wasn't doing that a lot. And, uh, it, it, very, very cool deck. I'm give big props to Caleb for taking that one down.
0: Uh, there's one other deck I want to talk about in the legacy. Um, very is. <laughs> quickly is, is Christopher Anderson's blue green enchantress. Now we first saw this list when Andrew Cuneo, mm-hmm. uh, ported it from an old, old extended list from way back in the day and top aided a legacy mox with it um not a ton has changed since then the most important innovation being green sun zenith now cuneo i believe was also playing green sun zenith i just wanted to briefly explain to the folks the way the deck works is you play a turn one mana thing now typically you're used to birds of paradise avacyn's pilgrim this deck you have utopia sprawl and wild growth uh, you play turn one that and then turn two either argothian enchantress if you have it in hand or you can tap your green tap your two lands that now tap for three mana to green sun zenith for two to go get your enchantress so you always have an enchantress effect on turn two in addition he's got four enchantress's presence so if you have your turn one mana thing you can also just play a turn two enchantress's presence in addition this deck has one of my favorite cards of all time carpet of flowers oh sure <laughs> man <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever played with Carpet of Flowers against a player playing a blue deck, but man, you feel like such a big man. Oh, Oh, for sure. jeez. So, Carpet of Flowers, Uncommon from Erza Saga, Rebecca Guay art, beautiful. During your main phase, you may add up to X mana of one color to your mana pool, or X is the number of islands target opponent controls. A brief, important thing to realize about this card is, during your main phase, you may choose which main phase. Uh And so... That's just an important thing to keep in mind. This deck uh, also proves that you don't really need a quote-unquote win condition in your Enchantress deck. A lot of people would play things like Sigil of the Empty Throne or uh, 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 Emrakul in their white-based Enchantress decks. This deck, you kill them by attacking with Cloud of Fairies and Eternal Witness, and you bounce all their things with Words of Wind. You bounce all the things, as Chris was saying on Twitter.
1: And he has he has one living wish in his main deck instead of playing the main deck Emrakul. and uh, I really like that that tech because it allows him instead of clogging his hand with the amercul, which isn't going to do him anything unless he has fifteen mana anyway, uh, it allows him to go into his sideboard to get a couple of pretty pretty good cards for him, which are harmonic sliver. He has an enchantress effect in the sideboard, the verdure enchantress Gaddic Teague. Um, so I, I think that this is this is really tech and something that. Really, we didn't get to see a lot of players doing this until the uh, Omniscience deck started doing well, where people said, hey, well, why do I need to even play all these Emeracles? They're not doing anything. Living Wish is going to do more. Um, you know, Burning Wish is just going to do more than than playing these clunky spells in my main deck. So I like that. I think that's a that's a pretty good innovation and something that I think maybe even Elves decks could potentially start doing, especially yeah, with I agree. combo Elves. Instead of playing... An Emerald Coal in the main deck, you know, you're going to be generating a million mana anyway. Wouldn't it be better if you just had that and have access to something like an extra Sylvan Messenger or, you know, some other, you know, Regal Force or some other random card that you can you can grab in a pinch if you need it. So very very cool, very cool list. And, of course, it's a very convoluted kill. Uh, it, it involves playing Cloud of Fairies over and over uh, in order to generate a, a bunch of mana and then... Eventually- right, so
0: you, you, you've got two lands, one of your lands has a wild growth on it, mm. and you've also got words of wind in play. You play your Cloud of Fairies on tapping two lands, pay the extra for the words of wind, and you bounce all your opponent's boards while bouncing your Cloud of Fairies, and just keep doing that until all of your opponent's things are gone.
1: Yeah, and then just attack your opponent with with one one
0: with or... one ones and two ones and dry out Arbor and whatnot. Yeah. and he's also just so everybody knows, he's he's the other than the pithing needle that's in Caleb's sideboard, which I'm not going to count as a returned Ravnica card because that card has existed for a little while. Mm-hmm. He's playing a returned Ravnica card, Sphere of Safety in his sideboard. Sure, Sphere of Safety being the collective restraint um, for enchantments. Uh, he he was I believe he said that it actually wasn't very good. Um, but he had it in there just to test it out. Uh, and it was in there. So, you know, you can try it. Why not?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the, the top eight is very, very diverse. I mean, I don't think we have two copies of the same deck in, in the top eight and otherwise every other deck is a new archetype. I, I definitely think, uh, I, I want to I want to shout out Bernie Wen for making the top 8 with Esper yep. Stoneblade. I think that for him, of course, uh, he's a he's a local for us and uh, and we're friends with them, but I think for him playing Stoneblade was definitely going to be an uphill battle based on I mean, if you look at this top 16 it just doesn't look like something uh, that Esper Stoneblade is going to be doing very well in. Mm-hmm. Um the uh definitely give a shout out to Jerry for doing well with Dredge given how uh, maybe people just don't realize that rest in peace is the best graveyard removal that no one's playing yet. Or maybe it's just not as good as we think it is, but uh, he was able to win in spite of playing against opponents with Leyline in the Void and some other things and just barely missed the cut of top eight. But uh, he's, if you're looking to play dredge, I'm pretty sure that Jerry has the best dredge list uh, out there Used to kind of like use Feldman as sort of the measuring stick. There's like a there's like a number, you know, half a dozen guys that always sort of default to dredge. But I think Jerry's list, he's the one that any, anytime I see him do well in a tournament and I see like an innovation or something change, I make a change in my deck. The only difference I see in uh, in his list this time around is he's actually maining, running the main deck Iona, whereas before he was opting to run one less dread return, one less Iona, and maximize out on Icarids and Putridimps to sort of just be as consistent as he possibly could. And, um, and he's also unlike Prozac's, uh, sort of mentality on dredge. He is still running pithing needles and nature's claims in the sideboard to deal with ley lines and tormod's scripts. Whereas Adam has said, I'm just going to maximize out on cards that, um, that I, you know, can deal with. Right. Cause like a ley line in many cases, like you just don't want to try to mulligan into a nature's claim because you're just going to water down the chances that you're actually going to be able to beat your opponent. But uh, Jerry's still prescribing to the Nature's Clan plan. So if you're looking for a list, definitely pick this one out.
0: Yep. Uh, And I want to end our legacy discussion with a little bit of the controversy that happened during the tournament. I forget what round it was, but David McDarby, uh, who was on Blue-Red Delver and made Top 8, was playing against Giovanna Mm. D'Imperio. I forget what round it was, but she was on Maverick. Um and Giovanna had a thalia in play and David uh played brainstorm for one. Giovanna said, Okay, and David drew three cards, then immediately realized what happened. So a lot of people on Twitter were thinking that David was intentionally cheating. Um which is crap. There's no way. Yeah,
1: we that yeah, that's that's I, I don't believe that's true, but that's yeah, a force. to even suggest that is yeah
0: foolish um he's an employee at star city games to cheat on camera at a star city games event would be astronomically stupid (laughs) um and it was fairly stupid but he noticed it immediately he called himself on it i believe um i could be wrong about that it's possible the judge caught it uh but the cards that he had barely touched the rest of his hand right i was standing there watching this happen um and david was like well these are the three cards I mean, these are they like you've seen the judge saw that the cards didn't actually get shuffled in or anything. But the rule is, if it makes contact, they have to put three random back. Mm -hmm. And the brainstorm was digging for a land, which it found, but it was not going to be the next card. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he actually he gained an advantage from this. But that doesn't necessarily mean he was doing it on purpose. Sure. The thing that, that uh, complicated – or not complicated uh, – uh, exacerbated the problem was that he proceeded to forget about the Thalia again when he tried to submerge Giovanna's things like three times. Um, first of all, she had no forest in play. Sure. Um, and I believe there was also a, a Thalia. Was there a Thalia anymore? Maybe uh, not.
1: No. There w- it w- The other case was a Scrib Ranger.
0: Right. Oh, it had pro blue. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, so I think that it looks real bad for Star City. Um, and it looks real bad for David. And he was not ha- like, he was beside himself afterwards. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I just think that the most important thing here is people were calling for a game loss. And the rule is this was not drawing extra cards. This was a game rules violation, sure, um, and so it can never lead to a uh, uh, to a DEC by the uh, according to the IPG. It's just a game error
1: yeah, thing. Yeah, and there's there's like a much more eloquent explanation. Um, you know, Ricky Hiyashi got on camera with Glenn after the incident and explained like why it was the way that it was, and um, you know, it, and it does make sense the 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 infraction you're right it wasn't drawing extra cards it was the other it was the other violation and glenn kind of put it the best it's sort of like a double jeopardy thing like you don't want to penalize someone basically twice for for one one violation yeah um and uh and so within the parameters of the rules it happened correctly it it just it it could have just as easily gone the other direction where he, like, he had, let's say, like, he had a sword supploser in his hand, and he do, he does the brainstorm, and uh, and he was going to win, and all of a sudden now the the, the brainstorm happens and the sword supploser ends up on the top of his deck. Like, it could have gone both ways. This is the way that it is. Now, it may be a corner case. It may be an opportunity for Wizards to come out and come up with some some other way to sort of uh, escalate this to, to some other whatever i you know there's some there's some opportunity for them to sort of fix it up and i think maybe where where my frustration was i don't mind that the game rules violation i think that it's sort of like you know david david made the mistake and i think that he he felt bad about it and then just sort of like i won't say like went on tilt but just sort of like went off the rails a little bit yeah and that's when he like targeted the the uh the scribe ranger and and then tried to target, you know, when she didn't have a force in play. Of course, when she bounced with the Scribe Ranger because she, you know, she was – she put him on submerge, right? And that yep. turns off submerge. And so, like, seeing, like, a couple of those happen and, like, all of that sort of combining and together is re- where people sort of say, well, that sh- – she was cheated out of a game. And that was that was my sort of initial reaction. But then, in hindsight, again, it could have just as easily gone the other direction, right? It could have yeah, just, just as easily been – him being the person that had, like, the answer in his hand makes the, the mistake of playing the brainstorm, you know, ineffectively and then puts the, the, the win on top of his deck.
0: So. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not so sure that Giovanna would have won that game had McDarby not been able to brainstorm. I think that that's a little bit of a stretch also
1: because
0: mm-hmm. um, he could have just as easy. He had the Grim Lava Mancer in play, right? So he could have just Grim Lava Manced it and then untapped and brainstormed and found the land.
1: Yeah, yeah. Am I, I remembering
0: mean, this correctly? Well, I, I don't I don't buy that it was just in the bag if it happened the way it happened.
1: No, pro- probably not. And, you know, it's, it's not really uh, – it's neither here nor there at this point. I, I'm glad that it happened. I'm glad that um, – you know, it, it was good that it happened on camera because uh, it, it brought to light something that has recently changed and that we can't right. use footage. The uh, video the replay rule. rule. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which is dumb. Can we, like th- – this is my opinion – Every magic wants to be a sport, right? You want to have it be an online sport, like all these articles from from said and Brad and um the guy that wrote it on Gathering Magic are like, we we want to turn this into an e-sport. Well, all sports and all esports use video replay. Yeah. Um, and it seems sort of foolish to be sort of going backwards to me now. I haven't heard the explanation to the other side, really, because it hasn't really come up. Maybe this will spur that conversation on. Yeah, um, But, you know, it's just, I don't know. I don't get that rule.
1: Yeah, I, I think they handled it great, honestly. I think they, they did exactly what they are supposed to do within the confines of the rules, and they also explained it. So what yeah. more and can cut, you do? Cut
0: and, it uh, out with your name-calling, Twitter.
1: Yeah, it's, and Dave, Dave McDarby, I think, again, any other player probably would have acted in the same way. It's not like... I mean, what do you what do you expect him to do? It's, oh yeah, you know. You expect, expect him to s- let me let me scoop it up for you. Yeah,
0: exactly. That, yeah. That's not even.
1: No, yeah, no one, no one will oh, do that. I mean, it's
0: got, a, it's yeah. a much different situation than in Buffalo when the player played the Sun Titan and it was in play for like three turns when he only had one white mana.
1: Sure, sure. And
0: it was ruled that the Sun Titan just got to stay in play, but. He realized that he would have never ever been in any position to win the game if there was a, if there wasn't sunlight in play. So he scooped it up. Yeah. That's a completely different situation than this when we're on turn two and he has an active answer to Thalia. Yeah,
1: for sure. So, well, I think we've grinded through Standard and Legacy. Of course, you know you're going to be in Rhode Island speaking with Joey and Prozac, which is man, that's so going to be the best. Jealous of you guys. So do you expect to see a lot of the same this weekend? Any, any predictions for some of the decks that are going to do well in the standard portion?
0: I believe that I'm not sure the pillars are necessary in the blue, white, red control deck. Yeah. Um, I believe that there will be innovation there. Uh, I don't know what because I'm not a deck builder. Uh, I think that the Jund deck will pick up in popularity mm. and zombies will drop in popularity. And there will be four main decks um for this for this event ah man it's tough for me to predict what's going to win i'll predict jund will win okay jund well, to control y-
1: being that you and joey are going to be in the in the in the booth together i think that uh maybe you guys could brainstorm some more creative ways to call some of these decks okay uh, <laughs> at least get at least get us one different because if we start out with jund aggro at Ractos agro, and uh, remember we talked a few weeks ago how different they are. It's going to yep. start to get very confusing. So, yep. But uh, hey, real very quickly before we sign off here, GP San Jose is going to be this weekend in San Jose, California. The, That's the right. The format is team sealed, so we don't have a lot of commentary there. But a lot of uh, a lot of our friends and listeners will be going to that tournament. So, of course, good luck to everybody going there. It's going to be uh, an exciting tournament to watch. You know, it's the first big sealed event for Ravnica p- after the pre-release and of course it's a great set as it is. So it's Yeah, be- I hope
0: I hope the next team sealed is uh, in my time zone so that I can go to it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I hope we see more team events. Like, absolutely we don't have more on the calendar.
0: I, yeah, I, I kinda want to see I think once a year is about right for mm-hmm. team events. Yeah. Um, they got to work out how many buys. They got to figure that out. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I think that team, team sealed, and team even team constructed. I remember playing team constructed, and I had loads of fun. Oh, so same. I, I just want to see more of those events, and uh, it brings the community together. Um, it, it brings together different storylines. You know, we saw from the players' championship and the uh, the world, the world cup that uh, you get behind teams. Mm-hmm. Like you, there that that tournament was the most exciting thing. I've seen in magic. And so I, I, I I want more wizards. Give me more,
1: more. Fantastic. Well, take uh, my money wizards. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, you can of course follow us. Uh, we are at in contention. Ruby is at mox Ruby. That's M O X R E U B Y. I'm at K Stube. That's K S T U B E. And, uh, definitely check out the open series in Rhode Island next weekend with Joey Adam, Prozac, and Ruben. Ruben, any final thoughts before we sign off? Uh,
0: nope. I, I really want to see how Return to Ravnica can impact Legacy. We really didn't see any abrupt decay shenanigans. Mm-hmm. We didn't see Supreme Verdict really taking off. I want to see if anything can impact Legacy in Return to Ravnica because the set is absurdly powerful. Yeah. And uh, and very there. lots of the cards are unique, doing different things, than anything that's been printed before. And I really think that we've only just scratched the surface in both standard and legacy.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Me so too. stay Hopefully. tuned, folks. Hopefully that's the discussion we have for next week's show then. Absolutely. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening. And until next week, we are in contention.